Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us again this week. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message with Senior Pastor Broderick Santiago. If you'd like to learn more information about this ministry, we encourage you to visit our website, www.wearemosaicchurch.org. Listen, welcome to Mosaic Church, where we stand on four pillars. We reach teach, we serve, and we love. We reach people that are far from Christ. We teach the authentic word of God. We serve in our local community. And most importantly, we love like Jesus loves. And I know this moment is awkward, but we're going to make it through it, y'all. I, 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 listen, I, I tried to get it together. I've been trying the whole time. I wanted to tell you to stop singing. Stop it already. But I couldn't. I, I had to let that moment be. And so, if you've been joining us in this series, this is such an important message, and I'm, I've even added some new stuff. We're going to have some, uh, an additional week, but this message is about bad religion. And, and I think it's important because there's a world that's watching right now. There's people that's watching us who claim to be Christians, and they're saying, if that's Christianity, I don't want no parts of it. There are people who've been hurt by the church, and I just got to say this. Please hear me. People will hurt you, but Jesus never will. People will hurt you. And here's the thing. Just because we call ourselves Christian doesn't mean that the hurt of our lives goes away. In other words, we bring our hurt and our mess into the church because we're all trying to get cleaned up. And so because we're trying to get cleaned up, that don't mean we still don't have some stains and some mess that need to be worked out. And so as we are in the church trying to work on our mess, here it is. Sometimes our mess will hurt you. We're all in this place trying to get better. We're not healthy people spiritually. We're broken people spiritually. This is why we come. So I just want to say this to you. If you've been hurt by the church, I apologize. But please don't give up. Don't let what a human being who's trying just like you to live a better life. Come on, somebody. Don't let that stop you from being in relationship with Christ. He is still the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so... This message is so relevant. And so last week we kind of identified what religion is. But today, I I think everything else that we talk about is kind of built upon this one question. Here it is. Who is my neighbor? Who, Who is my neighbor? And I think that if we begin to see every single person as our neighbor, here it is, uh, we, we, we begin to understand that everybody deserves love but not everybody deserves access and if i choose to love everybody without trying to worry about if they get access to me 
then, then, then I believe that there won't be so much quote unquote church hurt. So I want you all just join me in this reading. I'm going to go. I'm going to be reading uh, Eugene Peterson's message version of the scripture. And I love this. Here it is. Luke chapter 10 verses 29 through 26 through, through 36. Sorry about that. I'm going backwards. Luke chapter 10 verse 29 through 36. The message version of the Bible reads this way. I love how it opens up. Looking for a loophole, he asked, and just how would you define neighbor? And Jesus answered by telling a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on the way he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, they beat him up, and they went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, <laughs> a priest was on his way down the same road. But when he saw him angled across to the other, he, when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite, meaning a religious man, showed up and he also avoided the injured man. But then a Samaritan traveling the road came on him. And when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him into an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. And he said this, take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on the way back. Jesus said, what do you think? Which of these three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? Jesus is so clever because here it is. He's talking to a Jewish leader, uh, someone who who knows scripture inside and out. And the first examples that he used in this particular parable, meaning the story that he's telling, he uses the example of two Jewish people who ignored this man on the side of the road. And what Jesus was trying to show this religious person is saying this, simply this, you know, uh, uh, the priest who, who, who prays over everybody, who atones for people's sins once a year in a holy of holies, he ignored a person who was hurt. Why? Because they didn't look like him. And then there's this religious person, the Levite, the Levite. Levite are just simply what we would call ourselves today, Christians. Right. They weren't Christians, but they were just religious. They were devoted Jewish people who served in the church. And, and Jesus is very clever. He says, and now this religious person, the religious teacher, the priest, he walked by. Let's see what the religious person, the one the priest teaches does. And they walk by. But a complete stranger, somebody that Jewish people despise, says, you know what? This person is injured. I'm not going to ask where he's from. I'm not going to ask what he did. I'm not going to ask how much money he has. I'm not going to ask who he voted for. He just is injured, and I'm going to take care of him. And I think right here Jesus is giving the model. Who is your neighbor? Anybody you pass on the road, anybody you pass in the supermarket, anybody you pass anywhere. My brothers and my sisters, we are called to love our neighbors, whoever they are, wherever they are. And, and here's the thing. I love this thing that, that the writer writes here in the Eugene Peterson version, looking for a loophole. And oftentimes that's what we do, if I can be honest. Right. I, I, I'm not going to pray for them. I'm not going to serve them. I'm not going to meet with them. Why? Well, well, because you know what? They they're Democrat. They're, they're Republican. I'm, I'm not going to worship with them because 
they're Muslim. I'm not going to serve with them because they're gay. I'm, I'm not going to serve with them because of their, their, their atheists. Uh, uh, we're selective. We're always looking for a loophole to define who is our neighbor. And your neighbor is everybody that I just mentioned, my Christian brothers and sisters. We don't have permission to be selective with who our neighbors are. Not if we are Christ followers. Not if we claim if you are a Christian, that means you follow Christ. And if you follow Christ, that means you do what he did. And what did he do? He loved everybody. He gave this example not to just tear these Pharisees down. He gave this example to build them up and say, listen, look beyond your religious pedigree. Look beyond uh, your theology. But but here it is. Be like that Samaritan and help that person who was injured. We don't love our neighbor to convert them. We love our neighbors because we've been converted. And that's the problem with a lot of us Christians. I'm going to love you because I want to convert you. Yeah, I'll hang out with my Muslim friend because you know what? I want you to be a Christian. Won't you just love them? I'll hang out with my atheist friend because I, I want them to love Jesus. Like, Why don't you just love them? I, I, I hang out with, with, my, with my gay friends because I, I, I want. Won't you just love them? We don't love our neighbor to convert them. Catch that. Don't miss that. We love them because we've been converted. Now, if you're loving just for the purpose of convert, and by the way, can I just say this? You don't even have the authority to convert anybody. You don't. Jesus never said, go into all of the earth and convert. He said, go into all of the nations and teach. He said, go into all the nations and teach. I'll do the conversion. You just open up your mouth and tell them about me. You love like I love. That's all. I'll do the conversion. Quit trying to convert. You don't even have the power to convert. Because here it is. The minute, and people trip me out when they say that. Oh, I converted this many people. Really? You converted how many people this month? You pop, man, fist bump. Liar. We don't have the authority or the power to convert. We only have permission to teach and share. We don't love our neighbor to convert them. We love our neighbor because we've been converted. Galatians chapter 5 verse 14 says this. For the whole law can be summed up, 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 up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself out of all of the 613 commands from God, plus thousands of laws the Jews themselves created to make sure that we didn't break the commands. All of these out of all of these, the most important one is love. And we've missed it. John first John 420 says this first John 420 and I'm, I'm running through this. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God who we cannot see. Now, this gets tricky here because it says a fellow believer. And in this political season that we just came out of or still in, there's some people that say if you voted this way, then you can't possibly be a Christian. That I will say this, if you say that, then you're the one that's not a Christian. 
Because if you're pointing across the aisles because somebody says black lives matter, if you're pointing because, uh, uh, across the aisle because somebody says a woman has a right to choose what she does with her body, if you're pointing across the aisle because uh, uh, a Christian wants to help immigrants and poor people, then I question your Christianity. Because if you're judging, you're not loving. And so that right there disqualifies you from calling yourself a Christian. My beloved brothers and sisters, God did not eliminate barriers to building a community only for us to construct walls of disunity. I got to say that again because that, that went over y'all. I'm going to say that again. I was on my rhyming. I went back to my rhyming days when I used to be an MC. Those were bars right there. Here it is. God didn't eliminate barriers to building a community for us to construct walls of disunity. I'll preach, Pastor B. I'm trying to preach, but they're not getting it. Here it is. What do you mean by that? Do you realize the church was born in a place and at a time where there were all kinds of barriers for the church to not be born? Oh, y'all don't believe me? Meet me over in chapter in Acts chapter 2. Watch this. Acts chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. Check this out, y'all. I'm going to make it plain. At that time... There were devout Jews from where every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear that our own languages being spoken, that their own languages were being spoken by the believers. Verse seven, they were completely amazed. How can this be? These people are from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our native languages. A barrier. A barrier. God said, I'm going to break the barrier of language so y'all can hear my voice. He broke down a barrier of language. He said, they say, verse 9, here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own language. Pause for a moment, check this out. So God said, I'm going to kill the wall of language the barrier of language so that we can all hear the same voice. He said, and then guess what? I'm going to tear down the barrier of culture so that y'all can see that this is me. Did y'all just hear what I just said? I'm going to tear down a barrier of culture. I'm going to tear down the barrier, watch this, of ethnicity and nationality because y'all are going to be on one accord. God said, I'm going to cover this whole region. He said, I'm going to cover the Middle East. That's what he did in all of those first places I mentioned. He said, then I'm going to cover Asia Minor. That's what he did with those next places I mentioned. He said, then I'm going to cover Africa, North Africa, and that's what he did, Cyrene. Egypt, Libya. He said, I'm going to tear down language barriers. Done. I'm going to tear down cultural barriers. Done. I'm going to tear down ethnic barriers. Done. I'm going to tear down barriers of nationality. Done. I tore down these walls so that there would be no walls in the way of me building community. So when I said God didn't tear down barriers to building a community 
for us to build walls of disunity. Now y'all understand what I mean. But guess what we did? We rebuilt those walls. We rebuilt those walls. We, we, we rebuilt those walls. Here it is. We rebuilt those walls. There were, guess this, there were God-fearing Jewish people from all over that spoke different languages, had different cultural backgrounds, different nationalities, but God made sure that different languages, cultural differences, nation of origin or racial identity wouldn't be a hindrance to building what he told Peter he would build. In case y'all forgot, it was Peter that spoke to all of these people with different language backgrounds, different nationalities, different cultural backgrounds. It was him. He came to build the church, not a religious institution, but a people with common religious conviction. Catch what I just said. God did not build a church that is considered a religious institution. He built a people that had common religious conviction. And see, so here's the wall, what we've done. Ready? Here's what we've built. We've used bricks of denomination to build this wall. We've used bricks of traditionalism to build this wall. We've used bricks of Christian nationalism to build this wall. We've muddied the scriptural facts of biblical historicity to establish a hierarchy of religious, cultural, national, and racial supremacy. I just wanted to use some fancy words there. And all I'm saying is that we've used bricks of bias to build walls between us and them. And the truth of the matter is there is no them because we are them. Y'all didn't come out the womb shouting, speaking in tongues, Holy Ghost dancing, singing hymns. You came out the womb a sinner and you were born into a place full of sin. You had to, at some point in your life, choose to be a follower of Christ. So guess what? We are them. Every single one of us are them. So really quick, I got three points and then I'm done here. Love our neighbors like Jesus did. Well, how did Jesus love neighbors? Well, number one, if you're taking notes, here it is. Number one, we have to hang with people like Jesus did. Hang with people like Jesus did. Okay, Pastor B, you got to help me there. I will. Here we go. Meet me over in Luke chapter 6, 12 through 16. Here it is. One day, soon after Jesus went up into a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. I want you all to catch that. Don't miss that. One day, soon after Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Here are their names. Pause right there. <laughs> about to bless y'all. Y'all just hang with people because y'all like them. Jesus hung out with people who God told him to hang out with. How do you know that? Because he prayed all night. Then the next day, out of those who were following him, he said, I want just 12 of y'all to follow me. Out of all of those who are following him, he prayed all night. Here it is. Y'all hang with people because they look cute. Y'all hang with people because they act like you. Y'all hang with people because they vote like you. Y'all hang with people because they understand your culture. But y'all ain't praying about who you in relationship with. And I'm not talking about romantic relationship with. Sometimes you can be unequally yoked with so-called friends. That's why you're frustrated when, when they don't do what you ask them to do. That's why you're frustrated when they call you sometimes. That's why you're frustrated when they let you down. You ain't praying that person should be in your life in the first place. 
We always use that unequally yoke with romantic relationships. But sometimes y'all are yoked with people in just so-called friendships and you wonder why you're not progressing. Every time you tell them about a good idea, they got to find some way somehow to tell you, you sure that's what you want to do? Every time you tell them about something that you dreamt about, they always tell you, you sure it wasn't something you ate last night? Every time you tell them about your new relationship, girl, I got a new man. They always got to say something like, you sure that he ain't got to, you sure he telling you the whole true come on somebody every time you tell somebody you got a promotion oh they frowning at you they not celebrating with you come on and this is why because you ain't prayed about who should be in your life you can be unequally yoked with so-called friends so let's talk about who jesus chose after he prayed all night after he prayed all night he chose simon he chose uh andrew Peter's brother. He chose James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, Judas Iscariot, who would later betray him. What does that mean, Pastor B? Can I tell y'all a little bit more? Can I go a little bit deeper with who he chose? Let's talk about their occupations and their lifestyle. So scholars say among the 12, there were probably seven fishermen, common jobs. Among them was also a couple businessmen. That would be James and John because they were traitors, right? Uh, uh, Among them was a zealot. In case you don't know what a zealot is, uh, uh, that's somebody who's engaged in political affairs. He was a bit of a rebel rouser. Among them, after he prayed for 12, uh, after he prayed all night, he chose 12. Among them, he chose a tax collector. In case y'all didn't know, they're considered worse than sinners, according to the Bible. And the others' occupations, we don't know. So what are you saying, Pastor? to be after he spoke with God God told him straight up don't you choose not one of them religious folk to hang out with here's what I need you to pick I want you to pick somebody worse than sinners I want you to pick somebody who's a zealot who has political stuff he's a rebel rouser I want you to pick some people that fish good for fish and teach them how to fish for men I want you to pick some people that are good with money like traders and business people I want you to have a nice consortium and amalgamation of people that I want to walk with you because when people see these people that you call your apostles they will know that you that 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 you spoke to me first and I chose them and they will know that those same people that you chose to hang with those same people have access to you hang with people that jesus hung out with so how do you how do you fix that if you look among your circle and all your friends are just saved you need some more friends if you look among your circle and everybody makes the same income as you you need new friends if you look among your circle and everybody understands what it means uh, when you say soul food uh, 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 you need new friends. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Come on now. I hung out with a friend of mine on Friday. We golfed. Had a great time. We just began to talk about some things. And I love having these conversations. And, and he grew up differently economically. He grew up different than me racially. He grew up differently geographically. He grew up in the South. I grew up in the North. Okay? But we're from the same generation. We had a very good conversation. And, and he just didn't understand some things. Like how, uh, how the poverty mindset is generational in the black community. And how it's for us, 
just graduating high school sometimes is, 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 is enough, depending on where you're from geographically. How for us, getting your own apartment is coming up for generations. And, 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 and I explained to them, I said, you know why? Because home ownership was a white thing for a lot of us growing up in the projects in upstate. Owning a house was not something we ever saw anybody in our families do for a lot of us, depending on where you grew up geographically. So when I tell him I was the first one in my family to own a house on my mother's side, he was like, really? I said, yeah. My grandmother lived in, moved into the projects that I grew up in. The Gates Projects in Lackawanna, New York, was built in 1974. My grandmother, along with about 10 other tenants, were the first tenants there. My grandmother lived in that same apartment till she died. The, the projects was built in 1974, the year I was born. There was never in her mind a thought of ever owning anything. Why? Well, why would she think of owning something when my grandmother and my family, including my mama, who was, who was born in 55, my mother was born on a plantation in northern Louisiana. Oh, it got quiet. How can I see ownership when I've been living in the place where a person has owned me and my relatives. Generations of my family lived on this plantation. I just discovered this this month. And I'm going to go buy some of that land when I find it. I'm going to claim it back for my family. I explained that to my friend. I explained to him like, oh man, some of the, we were talking about mac and cheese and, and some of the best. I said, man, you ain't never had good mac and cheese until you had government cheese in your mac and cheese. And my friend said, what is, what is government cheese? It's not craft. I said, man, government cheese is this big old block of cheese that you get. And it makes incredible. You cut it up in chunks and you put your egg. In. Okay. I'm not going to tell you all how we make mac and cheese. But government cheese is the best way you make mac and cheese. I said, mac and cheese ain't been the same since they stopped giving that government cheese. It's been good, but not the same. He didn't understand that. Why? Because we grew up differently. Who are the people you're able to have those conversations with? Because we've got to stop building walls and start building bridges. Second thing I want to share with you. So we have to hang with who Jesus hung with. We have to help who Jesus helped. We have to help who Jesus helped. One of the things that trips me out oftentimes, and I know that there are criminals and people who take advantage of the church, I get that. One of the things that, that, that I see a lot of churches do, and we have never done that at Mosaic Church, is help only those who are members of our church. A lot of times, like, I've seen people ask for help, and, and, and they, literally they come to our church and say, I know we're not a member, but we could use your help. Whether you become a member or not, I want to take care of you because that's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't ask somebody to follow before he took care of them. Oh, y'all don't believe me? Well, we can see that happen in Matthew chapter 15, 21 through 28. I don't have to put it on the screen, but he helped a Canaanite woman. Canaanite people were idol worshipers. He helped her. He didn't say, okay, uh, do you follow? Are you one of my followers? Are you, I can't help you if you're, one, if you're not one of my followers. Jesus helped a Roman centurion in Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. Roman centurions, they believed in many gods. Jesus didn't say, Roman centurion, do you follow me? 
before I help your servant, will you follow me first? No, Jesus didn't do that. He didn't ask that. He just did. Uh, Jesus helped the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, verses 1 through 42. Samaritans practiced a whole different way of Jew, Jewish culture. Their, their, their place of worship was a place called Mount Gerizim. And so Jewish people hated and despised Samaritans. But Jesus helped her at the well while she was out in the middle of the day. The place that Jewish people avoided, Jesus went to intentionally. Met her at the well, gave her some water, said, you will never go, you'll be never be thirsty again. I ain't talking about the drinking water. I'm talking about me, the water. Now, tell everybody. And that woman immediately, the Bible says, told everybody, this man knew all my business. He is the Messiah. Who did he help? He helped the Samaritan leper. He didn't say, leper, do you follow me? Leper, were you at the Sermon on the Mount? Were you in the crowd? Uh, leper, were you among those that I fed uh, 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 fish and bread to when I was in Gentile territory? He didn't say none of that. He saw the Samaritan leper and he healed him. And guess what? That Samaritan leper was among 10 lepers that was healed that day. And it was the Samaritan that showed gratitude. Jesus had a love for people who didn't follow him, look like him. And understand his pedigree help who Jesus helped number three be hospitable to those whom Jesus was hospitable to be hospitable to those whom Jesus was hospitable to hospitality translated in Greek means love of strangers hospitality translated in Greek means love of strangers Matthew chapter 25, 35 says this, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, the message version says this. Then he turned to the host. The next time you put on a dinner, don't just invite your friends and family and rich neighbors, the kind of people who will return the favor. No, no, no. Invite some people who never get invited out. You know, the misfits from the wrong side of the tracks. You be and experience a blessing. Catch that. You will be a blessing. You will experience a blessing. They don't be, uh, they won't be able to return the favor, but the favor will be returned. Oh, how it will be returned at the resurrection of God's people. Now, in case you didn't know who Jesus was talking to, <laughs> I love this part. He was actually at dinner with a Pharisee. He was at dinner at an adversary's house. He was sitting there at an adversary's house having dinner. What are you saying, Pastor B? He did not try to avoid having difficult conversation with difficult people who didn't agree with him. He chose intentionally, if you want to invite me to your crib, we're going to come. I'm going to drop some truth, but I certainly will come for the meal. And Jesus goes to this man's house, the Pharisee, and drops this heat on him. Jesus was actually dining with a Pharisee. Y'all remember the first scripture I opened up with where he was a Pharisee was trying to find a loophole. Who is my neighbor? Jesus demonstrated better than anybody else in that moment. You're my neighbor today and I'm going to eat at your crib. 
He didn't just eat. Watch this. He didn't just eat with Pharisees. Uh, Y'all remember the story of Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, a chief tax collector. Uh, Worse than sinners. He ate with Zacchaeus. Who did Jesus show hospitality to? He showed hospitality to people who believed in him, who people who followed him. But he also showed hospitality to people who didn't agree with him. And how many of you are avoiding people who didn't look, who don't look like you? How many of you are avoiding people who don't believe what you believe? How many of you are avoiding people or ignoring people because they didn't vote like you? Come on, somebody. It gets quiet right now because guess what? Some of y'all are doing an inventory and you're saying, you know what? All my people are this. All my friends are this. The last people I hung out with was this. Because I just pulled up in your garage and you know you got work to do. You want to be, if you are truly a Jesus follower, all of the things I just mentioned, that's just three. I got way more I could share. We have to show hospitality to everybody. Now, here it is. I'm going to be real, and I know this to be true. Black folk, y'all just got a problem letting people in y'all house. Y'all do. I'm being real, and I'm not trying to turn this into a racial thing, but seriously, like, I pull up in, in like, uh, East Cobb, looking at houses and stuff like that. They don't never put blinds on their windows. Never. Y'all notice that? No curtains. They don't have no shame. Black folk, y'all got curtains and blinds. Y'all don't want nobody to see the inside of your house. You go to certain people. I mean, growing up, man, I would go to my white friend's house, and I can go in any room. I could put my feet on the couch. But when we grew up, there was a room that you couldn't. There was, there was, there was plastic on the furniture, and you still couldn't sit on it. And they had runners to make sure you didn't step off the runners onto the carpet. Maybe that's just how I grew up. But seriously, we have a problem letting, inviting people over our houses. This is why our small groups are struggling right now. This is why I was telling, that's another thing I was telling my friend. He said, man, we're killing it with small groups. I said, man, y'all got no problem inviting people in your house. Black people, when I tell them, hey, we got to do small groups and you can host it at your house, everybody's like, but what about the church, pastor? Can I, I don't want just strangers in my house. Y'all are laughing, but I'm really telling the truth. And here it is. He's saying this. Jesus wasn't that way. He wasn't that way. He went into anybody and everybody's house. Matter of fact, he chose not to have a house. So he can go to the, the Gentiles' house. He can go to the Pharisees' house. He can go to Samaritans' house. I'm going to go to, if you got a, you got, listen, you got a table with some food and somewhere I can lay my head, I'm with it. Not us. Ain't nobody trying to steal your stuff. Trust me. Invite people in, not just the pastor, but people. Start in your congregation. Start here. Have, and if you don't want to invite them in, take them to lunch. Start there. But we need to, if we want to be like Jesus, we have to do that. And it has to be intentional. It can't just be people that look like you. It can't be people that vote like you. It can't be people that just live where you live. That's a starting point. But if we really want to be like Jesus, go beyond that. Go beyond that. Next time you, your, your, your child has a party, 
I want to see who you invite. <laughs> I want to look at the, uh, and, and, and watch this. Don't invite somebody and they be the only one. Mix it up. Seriously, because y'all know people. Y'all just ain't inviting them in. So that's, that's, that's it, man. I got 50 seconds and I'm, a, I'm done. I'm going to say I finished early right there. I'm going to say I finished early right there, Jason. This ain't that deep. But I seriously want us to, I want to reclaim what has been stolen or misunderstood about our faith. I really do. We've got, to, we've got some work to do, y'all. There's no such thing as us versus them. We are them. We are them. Don't be ignoring somebody because they're, 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 they believe or, or practice another religion. Got final thing I want to share, and I, I was asking God, and I was sharing this with, with my sister and the and the worship team earlier today. I went to a a a, a, a get together, and uh, I was invited to say a few prayers, a few words, and so I said the prayer. And um, then there was a point after I said prayer where we all had to introduce ourselves, and. Um, we go around introducing ourselves, and then there was a lady who introduced herself. And she said her name, and she said, and this is my fiancé, who was another woman. And um, she kind of looked at me. Like, <laughs> it's funny. She looked at me as if I judged her because she said that, and I didn't even look her way. I was like, oh, cool. Love who you love. But the whole night, there was this distance between us, and I tried very hard. And I, and I thought it was just me. I was like, maybe I'm tripping. Because I have no issue with who she loves. I really don't. But here it is. Because somebody who looks like me, meaning a Christian, treated them differently before, she automatically associated her hurt with me. Somebody wasn't, who's a Christian, wasn't a good neighbor to her. And she assumed that I had issues with their relationship. How do I know that? Well, here's a great, I thought it was me. And I asked my wife, I said, did you, did you, did you feel the same way? My wife was like, yeah. I was like, all right, I'm not tripping because I didn't do anything. I said my prayer. I was blessed by my brother for his celebration. And that was that. And then as I was leaving, I said goodbye to everybody. And this was my test to see, well, was she really ignoring me? Was she upset with me? This was my test. As I'm leaving, I'm saying goodbye to everybody. <laughs> she was talking to somebody. Well, that person was talking, and they saw me walk up. And they had stopped for a minute because they were kind of like going to say bye. But the lady leaned in and listened more. Like, and I'm like, I want to just say bye. She, like, completely ignored me. And I'm saying, I know what it is. You think because I'm a pastor that I'm going to judge you because of your relationship. But if I, here, here it is. If I pointed out the sin of everybody who was at that party, we would all be walking around in shame. All, including me. So I'm not pointing out anybody's sin, but she felt that way because somebody treated her wrong in the past. I can tell. And they were a Christian. We have to love our neighbors, y'all. Love our neighbors, regardless of where they've been or what they've done. Now, before we go, they just put the sign up. Y'all thought y'all got away with it. Y'all thought we went past it. But it is offering time. <laughs> it is offering time. So listen, I want to make sure. And here it is. 
I, I don't want to miss the opportunity for you to be blessed. No, seriously. I don't want you to miss the opportunity for a blessing. I don't want you to miss the opportunity for a blessing. So right now, here's what I mean by that. There's a difference between tithing and offering. I'm going to preach about that in this series. Okay? I want to fix your thoughts and minds about it. Tithing comes with blessing. Offering comes as a sign of generosity. It's a big difference. So in other words, when you give an offering, you're saying, oh, I appreciated that. That was good. Thank you. Offering falls in the line of tipping. I'm being honest. But when you give a tithe, you're saying, I'm giving a seed in hopes of the blessing. Here it is. Not that you want the return financially, but you want what you give to be a seed so that somebody else may receive. And so here it is. When you tithe, you receive the blessing of a tithe. It's a sacrifice to God. You're saying, God, thank you for trusting me with 90%. And by the way, tithing is not Old Testament. Whoever taught you that, they taught you wrong. You need to read the Bible. Tithing is not Old Testament. Jesus never shunned the tithe, ever. He shunned tithing but not doing justice and other matters that are weightier. But he never, ever said, don't tithe. He never, ever said, don't give. So I want you to give today according to your level of faith. Now, in case you don't know what tithe is, that's, a, that's an entry point of, 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 genera- of, of faithfulness. That's the entry point. A tithe is 10% of your pre-tax income. So break that down for me, Pastor B. If you make $1,000 a week, you would give 100 of that. Okay? I think my math was right. It was definitely right. Right, math teacher? Thank you. All right? You'd give 100 of that. I have, I have a math scholar in the building, just so y'all know, in case y'all wonder. She's amazing. So that's what that simply means. Before Uncle Sam takes it. And I know you're like, well, what do you mean before Uncle Sam takes it? He takes it out right away. That's okay. But show him that you do, that you believe more in God than the government. And you give your 10% of that. So that, watch this, we can continue to share what God is doing with others. And I promise, listen, I, one day... Jordan asked me, would, she, would I allow her to give a testimony? And I think I'm going to have one day, I'm just going to, maybe over the summer, we'll have a, a quick, I'll pick out people and give them a time. We're going to put it on there. and Be like, you got two minutes to say what you got to say. I'm the only preacher in the house right now. All right? And we're going to cut the mic after two minutes. Okay, Jason? That's what we'll do. And, and then if they say whatever, I don't need a mic, then uh, I got this, this staff at home that we use for a prop. And we're going to pull the Sandman. If y'all familiar with Apollo, we're going to. But I'm serious. There are people that I know that have been promoted because they started tithing. There are people that I know that receive, watch this, bonuses. that when, when everybody else was downsizing, I know people personally that receive bonuses because they tithe. I'm being real. I'm not, I'm, listen, I'm not, this is not a, a, a bait and switch. This is facts, y'all. Because the blessing is attached to tithing, not offering. I'm going to teach that. I, I am in a couple weeks. All right. So give 404-620-3011. Text the word give and the dollar sign, the amount you want to give. And it'll come right out of there from that. All right. Or you can give online at wearemosaicchurch forward slash, wearemosaicchurch.org forward slash give. Okay. Or you can give by mailing in your check 
to uh, P.O. Box 1062, Mableton, Georgia, 30126. Final thing, I want to extend an invitation for you if you don't know Christ. I mean, seriously, I, I, I want to extend an invitation to you if you don't know Christ. I'm not talking about church, know the church. I'm talking about know the authentic Jesus. If you want to be in relationship with him right now, just lift your hand as a posture of surrender. Or if you want to rededicate your life today, if you want to press the reset button, you want to give God, you want to give, you want to give this thing called church a try again, lift your hand as a posture of surrender. Let me pray for you. Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for every hand lifted up before you today. God, I pray for them as they lift their hands as a posture of surrender. What they're saying is, I've done the best I can with what I can, but better is my life in your hands than my own. God, that hand that's lifted is saying, I repent of my sins. God, that hand that's lifted, they're saying, I, I turn away from my wicked ways and I see your face. God, that hand that's lifted, they're saying, I want an authentic relationship, not with man, but with my Lord and Savior. So God, let's look down upon them, receive their prayers today. Receive the relationship today in Jesus' name. If you've, if you've just agreed with me in prayer and had your hands up, welcome to the family. Maybe, maybe your story is that you want to join the church. You don't have a church home. Mosaic Church. Listen, we got people joining from all over. We got them joining from Florida, New York. If you want to join, you could do that. I don't have to be in your city. We're already online. And we're working on ways to even baptize you virtually. You hear me? We're not going to let nothing get in the way of you being in relationship, authentic relationship with the Lord and with the church community. So if you want to join today, there is a link. I just saw it come up in the comment section. Go on ahead and click that, and then we'll give you some next steps. All right? Are you glad you came to church today? Are you glad you clicked on? Good. Well, let me do a final prayer, and we're done. Father God, we thank you for your visitation today. We thank you for your impartation today. God, we thank you for just stopping by and just filling us to the point of overflow. I pray that this message that you prepared has been a blessing upon the lives of the listener and the attender today. God, we thank you, we honor you, and praise you in Jesus' name. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. May God bless you. May God keep you. And may the glory of heaven shine upon you. Have an absolutely wonderful day. Go in peace. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.